Now, from what I understand, <laughs> yes, Styles and Wild have now broken up. Is that truth? Now, this is news to me. I think I heard split rumors. I'm going to look oh it up while God. we're bantering really this quickly. This is the gift that keeps on giving. Is <laughs> what a wild... Just a roller coaster. I was desperate to see that. I'm so glad you picked this because I was desperate to see this in theaters and it just never worked out because I wanted to try. My, my sister and I uh, were trying to go together because she was really following the uh, the press stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just never worked out. All right. So Us Weekly is saying Olivia Wilde is still very much upset over Harry Styles' split. Wow. So let's see. Well. They cited her as the Tron Legacy actress. That's very funny. <laughs> wow. Well, she was That's in Tron rough. Legacy. Well... She Book also made Book Smart. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Dated Jason Sudeikis. I mean, yeah. number of things that are more notable than Tron Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> what a... What a, what a yeah, thing this, to be known for, right? I mean, that initial trailer. I mean, this was very much Black Swan, Stepford Wives, bonkers type of trailer. Yeah. You got an incredible cast. Uh, and then the press tour starts, mm-hmm. right? And the rumors come out mm-hmm. about production. I have production. intentionally kept myself away from all of this because, hello, welcome to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We're going to talk about, hell, uh, don't worry, darling, just FYI. Now explain to me all this press junket stuff. Dustin stays out of it because he's too busy doing stuff uh, to follow news and media. Um, mostly. Mostly. And schoolwork. So... so- the short version is uh, Olivia Wilde started dating Harry Styles uh, on the set of this movie. Sure. Ending her relationship, I think marriage, with Jason Sudeikis. Or at least partner. I don't partnership, think, yeah, I don't just think a partnership. Do they have a kid together, yes, though? though? That's what I was thinking. Because he served her papers at one of the uh, festivals, right. or one of the cons. He apparently didn't know about that, so he says. Uh, so this is, yeah. Big move, though. Okay. <laughs> that move. was kind of like the kickstart to this that's true. I think that unraveling because I mean that was a big moment. So she so, gets served so papers Bunny while doing a presentation. Were dating. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Buddy oh. and Jack are dating in real life. In real life, ending her relationship with Ted Lasso. Oh. Okay. Which I don't yes. know if you knew about that. Yeah. Okay. They, I did. Kid, they got a kid. They were in a multi-year. I mean, they've been together long for time, a long like time. Like a decade. Okay. Yeah. They have a kid. Yeah. Ted Lasso serves it's, her papers while she's doing a presentation. At one of the film it's like conventions, yeah. or something like that. Not like wow. a, it wasn't like, Comic Con, like, but it was like, like while on a panel or like she yes. was in a presentation. Yes, and the guy comes <laughs> and serves her papers. <laughs> oh my, not gosh. cool. She was pretty pissed, obviously. I mean, yeah, and that's, that's the whole thing. She's like, I didn't do that. I didn't say to go do that. I promise. Yeah, which maybe he didn't. Make, I mean, who it, knows? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so more to that. There's also the Shia LaBeouf business. She, Shia LaBeouf, who was originally in the film. He was originally Jack. Okay. Olivia Wilde says, I have a no assholes policy. And haha, isn't that funny why that's that guy doesn't work in this movie anymore? He says, that's not true. I quit for creative reasons and you asked me to stay. And so that's part of the drama as and well. Then tape came out with that conversation? Yeah, he had receipts for that. Yes. Oh, he, he, had had receipts. A, he had a voicemail of her saying, you Please shouldn't speak. leave and something about Miss Flo. And that's how the Miss Flo became a whole... She called her Miss Flo in this voicemail. And that, that became a whole part and of this media circus. Florence Pugh absolutely refused to be involved with the press tour. Which for she this said film. just because she had to do Dune 2. And she was doing The Wonder and she's got some other stuff going yeah, on. Too that's busy. fair. She's Marvel. And, and, and playing classy. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Saving face. And in the, the middle of her own, I think, and split it, with Braff. That's true. I forgot about that. So there's that going on. Her own personal life going on. And then Harry Styles spits on Chris Pine at Cannes. 
There's a Zapruder film. Or Veronica or Tiff. Yeah, it was in Europe. Um, I can't remember. I only Venice, know. Venice, maybe. Maybe that's right. Maybe it was Venice. Um, but anyway, he spits <laughs> on him, it seems. And then at a concert the next day is like, hey, I'm back. Sorry, I had to go off to Europe to spit on Chris Pine. Uh, so he even if he didn't spit on him, he wants people to think he did. Okay. Uh, so that's. And then the this short... movie came out. And then, and this then movie the movie came out. Came and out. flopped. Yes. And Critically and commercially. Showed up on HBO very quickly. And I don't know if that's much to read into because every movie is now showing up on HBO very, very quickly. quickly. Exactly. True. We shouldn't we shouldn't really uh, hold that against the movie at all. You're right. That's but it, kind of it the definitely common. didn't feel like it was in theaters. For sure. It opened and then nobody talked about it again because the press tour was over. It did okay-ish, yeah. but like not what they wanted it to be. Yes. This was a big release for Warner Brothers. They did not release very many movies this year. Okay. Uh, definitely not in the period when this movie came out were they releasing much. So uh, Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles got together during the making of this film and they've since broken up, though. That is... That in is classical the, Hollywood style, yes. Yeah, okay. That's the news that's breaking to me. Yeah, I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that. It seems to be pretty recent like that the they have split. The current status of affairs. Gotcha. I don't have an actual wow. end date. So production and media oh, circus. Oh, timeline. And, Oh, there's somebody's put up a us, timeline. Of course, us thanks weekly. us weekly. <laughs> thanks us weekly. This is outside of our purview, so I'm glad somebody's done their homework. No, we we do we never do celebrity gossip on this show. It's yeah. such a big part of this movie, though. Yeah, I right, think it's worth right. it's worth it, the uh, context you know, is very yeah. important here. Okay, they filmed wrapped uh, wrapped filming in January uh, February 21, and Wild uh, joined Styles in London, where they enjoyed some time to themselves. All right, what what does that mean? Uh, you know, they probably did some stuff. They said hi to Doctor Who. Uh, All the, the things you do in the UK. Uh, romance continued to heat up with the life itself actress openly supporting her beau's music and film careers. She obviously watched his Eternals appearance, which she noted via an Instagram comment. Mm. Okay. Wow, Us Weekly. Thank you so much. For yeah, doing okay, here's an actual, here's an actual timeline that I need. All right. May 22. A couple were spotted strolling in Italy ahead of the release of Styles' third album. Okay. All right. I don't care about that as much. And okay. he's kind of a Harry Connick Jr., big band jazz kind of musician kind of guy, right? Is well, that... so he comes from One Direction, which is a British boy band. Okay, I know uh, I know of One Direction. Okay. Yeah, he's he was sort of... Him and Zayn are like the two big guys that have kind of had their own breakout careers outside of One they, Direction. They Timberlake One Direction. Yeah, okay, and I think he's doing the same thing. Yeah, I think he's doing the... The classic blue-eyed soul playbook. Okay, uh, of, but I could be wrong. I don't. I don't listen to Harry Styles. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't. Either. There's only so many things I can be up, up to date on. All right. So October 22, uh, a former nanny of Wild and Sudeikis's children alleged to the Daily Mail that not only had the director cheated on her fiance with the Matilda singer, but that the Ted Lasso <laughs> star once laid underneath her car to stop her from visiting Styles. That's right. I had heard about this. Yeah, the, the caregiver car thing. also claimed that Sudeikis was devastated when Wilde made her special salad dressing for the performer. The former couple, for their part, slammed the nanny's allegations in a rare joint statement. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means the nanny was probably telling the truth. 100%. Yeah. Uh, we right. believe nanny. November 22, us confirmed that the twosome called it quits after nearly two years of dating. So yeah, so there you go. Very the, li- the lifeline, the life cycle of the movie, and it all came out on the press tour, which is wild. Yeah, and Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine. Yep, this movie who that- was apparently on Team Florence, if there were teams. Some who people was? say there were no Pine? teams. Pine. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, he seems like Florence a seems like higher ground not, type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Florence seems like she's also higher ground, not playing the game. So don't have time for the drama. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Got too much work to be doing. She's too. She's too good. To be wow. worried about it. 
That is fascinating. She's got an Oscar to win someday. She's not going to be worried about this rabble-rousal. Well, and I think, you know, that's sort of, to me, the not the tragedy. Tragedy is a very big word. Uh, but the, the kind of one of the sadder aspects of this was this is a big sophomore outing for Olivia Wilde. This was, mm-hmm. you know, not going to necessarily set her up for an Oscar, but maybe to make that I mean, play someday. I think it's strong contention. Yeah, I mean, this was production designed within an inch of its life. It's got big performances. Like, good performances. Huge ensemble. Some pretty, yeah, huge ensemble. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this wasn't necessarily an Oscar play, but it wasn't not an Oscar play either. Yeah, I so. think it was trying to probably ramp up for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, if not this, so, the next movie, yeah. Welcome to the Good Trash Us Weekly cast. Right. Well, hello again, and welcome to this show, the Good Trash Genre Cast, in which we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. We are still talking, don't worry, darling, and I am still Dustin. I am still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And uh, we are going to analyze this film, but we had to do some stuff here and talk about the spilt tea um, all over the various conference cons and press junket um, tables there. Uh, we are going to spoil this film, though, as we do our analysis. We are doing our um, How Did We Miss Blind Spot selections, and this is Arthur's Blind Slot yes. selection pick. It was a blind spot for all of us, though, I think. For, for all of us. I haven't seen it. And so uh, this is great uh, to be doing that. What we're going to do to avoid spoilers, though, for you, dear listeners, if you have not got a chance to catch this quite yet on the HBO Max, is that we'll have synopsis, spoiler-free, we'll have thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which we'll talk about what it's about, but not what happens. And then we'll move on into a game called Expanding the Syllabus, which we might involve the Vegas spoilers of maybe more spoilers than sometimes. You know uh, what? No. I, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll try real hard. Um, but once the music plays and you know it's business time, that business is analysis, that's when we don't care anymore about spoilers. And uh, if you care, then you are warned. So there you go. Uh, with that, I'm going to go to you first, picker of the film, Arthur Gordon. What do you think of... Did don't... you want a synopsis? Or... Oh, well, we do want a synopsis. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I don't know what's happening now. Wow, we got you got so sidetracked into the drama oh, of man, all this I, I, that you, you know, forgot I, what we're doing. I never keep up with you know the Kardashians, so I needed to know. Is that the new Keeping Up with the Joneses? It, keeping it, Up with the Kardashians? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. The employees of the Victory Project live in a utopian society that is the ideal picture of the American dream, but as the days continue to pass, housewife Alice begins to have growing doubts about the Victory Project and their mysterious leader, Frank. 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 Okay. Well, there you go. That is the movie. Okay. Now, Arthur, would you tell us what you think of the movie? Uh, I I didn't know what to expect going into this because I'd heard a lot of... I'd seen some ups. I'd seen some downs. I'd seen some critics who really went for it. I saw a lot of people who hated it and derided it. So I I didn't know what I was walking into. And I think overall, I enjoyed it. It Very much in my wheelhouse, the type of movie that it is. And, And again... It's hard not to, I think, talk about some of it without spoiling some of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll just, I guess, be vague in that regard. Uh, Dalton mentioned production design. It's a gorgeous film. Uh, a great score uh, mm-hmm. here. I really dig that. I love Florence Pugh. I, I think I've seen almost everything she's done. Uh, and, and she's just astounding, you know, since seeing her as Lady, uh, Lady Macbeth, which we've talked about on the show. I, I think she's just can't miss. She has great charisma. Uh we see that in more commercial blockbuster fare as uh, Natasha's sister in Black Widow and in Hawkeye. Uh, but we've also seen her do very uh, heavy theatrical uh, film as well, right? I mean, she can kind of has the range to do it all. And she has the charisma, I think, to be you know a true movie star. And so I love her. I love Chris Pine. Um, I think for me... Uh, 
the third act I wanted uh, was much more Frank and Alice because the, the two kind of moments that her and Chris Pine have together, just great tension, mm-hmm. great chemistry <laughs> to see. You know, I want those two to butt heads. I can yeah. agree with you there. Yeah, that's where the movie really sings. I'd agree with that. And so I, I really miss that not being where it goes in the third act mm-hmm. um, because I think it, it really does spin out there. I don't hate it. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't hate it by any means. I think it could be more interesting. I think the first couple acts are pretty solid, though. I, I like everybody here. Jimmy Chan's really fun. Uh, random Nick Kroll, not getting to do a lot, but he is kind of fun as a skeezy guy uh, living uh, in in the society with them. Uh, I, I like this kind of mysterious Stepford Wife setup that we've got. Uh, and so the premise of it's cool. It, it does kind of play into some of that psychological horror thriller stuff with, uh, you know, looking at the mirror and the mirror looks back and then you float away and the image is still there. Like those kind of shots that are in the trailers are really cool. Uh, and really, you know, the idea of what is happening here uh, that they play with so much is, I think, interesting. But it still feels pretty substandard. I, I think. Wild does a good job mostly with this. I, I think it's mostly well-directed. I, I think that that press tour really derails it, though. I think the reception's much different and probably a little more positive if everything doesn't come out right when the movie's coming out. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't wonder if the general response isn't a little better and it performs a little better. I think people who like this sort of movie, this sort of psychological thriller uh what what it really actually is without spoiling what it is you know if if people like that i think this will find a new life on streaming uh, in some ways um and and maybe up for reassessment in a few years uh i i like it i don't love it but it was better than i thought it was being that could be lowered expectations going into it or maybe it is just better than i thought it was going to be and so that's that's where i sit on it. I'm, I'm glad we finally got around to it kind of sad i missed it in theaters but here we are there we go can't see it all all right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what think you of watching Don't Worry, Darling? I think I'm a little colder on it than that. Um, and, and part of that is, for me, unfortunately, Harry Styles. I want him to work better than he does. I think he's missing some menace that is kind of integral to Jack. I think I think we should be a little untrusting of Jack the whole movie, and he just is so... Not above, a factor? Uh, not a factor, and mostly above board. Yeah. Like, There's a couple of times where like he's obviously hiding something, but he doesn't have a menace that I I almost wonder if the movie would be more interesting if it was there. Well, I think going back, I mean, they spend so much time setting up Chris Pine to yeah. be mm-hmm. the big bad. Yeah. That's spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it feels like they... I don't think that's a spoiler. They bury the lead incredibly hard on mm-hmm. Harry Styles. They do. And, and I also wonder about, you know, I, I'm with you. I like Jim Chan. I like what she gets to do here. But what ends up happening with her character doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of no. sense. Much like uh, we wished uh, some aspects of um, Crimes of the Future worked a little bit more coherently within the plot. Uh, we kind of have a similar mm-hmm. problem this week. Yeah. We're just like, we're, we're left wondering what happened uh a little too often and that that's unfortunate it feels like there's 10 to 15 minutes of this movie missing and it's already 20 to 30 minutes too long is the other problem this is this has got you know feature length twilight zone movie problems like it just you know we we do struggle with the length on this one i think there's a big reveal at the hour and 30 minute mark and there's still a half hour to go and i i think the the movie could have been a little bit more economical in that regard um, I like the production design. Um, I'm kind of interested in some of the 
the using routine montages to kind of like reinforce some stuff. It's a little, little we're talking, we talk about Gene Dealman a lot because of the, uh, the mm-hmm. BFI, the sight and sound, new sight and sound list. We get a little, little taste of that here with the steak massaging and the, the, the bacon and eggs. Uh, I don't know. Kind of cool. I, I like the, uh, the food looks mm-hmm. good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I wonder if we maybe have a little too much of it. But... Food looks good in a place like this. Yeah, it does. It does. Food does look good in a place like this. Nicole Kidman. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, there's some interesting moments, you know, the walls are closing in on Alice and the, we literally have one of those moments, which is kind of on the nose, but like looks cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just unfortunately think it's kind of dumb. It, it really is sort of a dumb movie. Uh, and it did not, I, I, I think Arthur's exactly right. That diminished expectations is probably, uh, might be making him like it more. And I think I'm one of those people who is like the drama has turned me off. I want, I want there to be more substance there because of how much drama there was. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fine movie. It's not bad. Um, I think it's right across the plate. I, I think there's an interesting movie in here. I've, I've heard this called a rough draft of the movie. Uh, and I, I think that that's pretty accurate. I, I think that there, there definitely is something here, but I don't know that it totally delivers for me. Uh, I like everybody. I just think everybody's in different movies. Caper Lant is the MVP for me. Uh, love everything she she's doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Lant is a, a comedian that I'm a big fan of, and I think she really delivers here as this this sort of uh, pregnant eavesdropper and uh, know it all, and and just like just kind of general like weird vibe at every party. And I think I, the movie needs more of what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, for me, for this to work, I think we need a little bit more of n- of this world to not quite make sense quicker than it does. You know, the, the, the things that don't make sense aren't really paid off very well for me. And uh, again, I just if there, there's something missing in the, the the cohesion of the performances too. I just I, I want I want everybody to be in the same movie, and I don't know that everyone is as much as I like. Again, Frank, I think Chris Pine and gets one of the more fun roles and ha- makes a meal of it. I, I think he's really exciting, and yeah, as you said, Flo P is a real movie star. Uh, you know, Florence cannot miss, and I think she is really good here, and I think appropriately anachronistic is what I'll say, mm-hmm. and I think that aspect of her performance works really well. Uh, but again, kind of a silly film. I, I want more. I want better for everybody involved. Is kind of where I come down on it. What about you, Dustin? So I did not know anything at all. I didn't know what the movie was about. I hadn't seen a trailer, and I was unaware of the press tour. And I had a ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, so I, mean, I think maybe the laboratory experiment experiment you sort of suggested earlier, Arthur, is probably true. I don't know if that would be for universally amongst critics or not, but um, I. I thought this is great. This is a lot of fun. It it, it seems like uh, back in the nineties, those those sort of mm-hmm. mid budget, just fun, you know, one off kind of thriller, um, science fiction thriller. Made me think of the Thirteenth Floor a yeah, lot. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. just one of the. It's just solid. Doing what it's doing is it. It's nothing that's going to change the game. It's nothing that's going to make any or break anybody's career. But it's going to be the kind of movie that, uh, if it were released in the '90s, would have a life at Blockbuster for quite a while, mm-hmm. and uh, would be a movie that people would come back. It would have been on TNT, yeah, or yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it seems well, like, well. No, no, not on TNT. heavily edited. Hev- <laughs> heavily, heavily. Well, it's not TV. It's HBO. I think. I think no matter what era, this ends up being <laughs> it's a on box office yeah, favorite. Yeah, 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 HBO or Showtime. He- heavy yeah. rotation yeah. on Showtime. Yeah, yeah. and. It, this is that kind of movie and so i again completely ignorant coming in said yeah this is this is a lot of fun i love the aesthetic of the you know we talk about set design right now i'll just go ahead and say it's the 50s and but it's also not the 50s there there's a way in which there is a you know we're we're sort of a this is a twisty movie this is part of why we're avoiding spoilers there's a twist that's coming on uh, in the movie and there's enough 
anachronism. There's enough just slightly offness to this to you for you to know that there is something very, very wrong. And you don't know what the very, very wrong is. And that's almost immediately. Uh, and I'll tell you what it is. It's hairstyles. Um, mm. it, it, it's the ways in which, uh, especially Florence Pugh's character, that um, she—that's not how a woman in the fifties would have worn her hair. It just is not at all. And then there, there's there's dialogue stuff. There's like the little little clicks and ticks yeah, here and there. Totally. Even though everything is this sort of a mid-century modern kind of house design, mm-hmm. and we've got those great fifties cars. And golly, yeah, clearly I in Palm Springs, with all that architecture. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I just you know I love Good cars, every, yeah. but um, the way everyone's speaking, uh, the way hairstyles are working, and of course uh, the racial demography of uh, the various characters. It's like, wait a minute. It's like the 50s, but with none of that bad stuff. With none of that bad stuff, but um, other bad <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, with different bad stuff. Different bad stuff. Uh, it's definitely bad, but not the same bad. And so, yeah, that part of it, it really invited me in. As, as again, completely ignorant of all things, I'm like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Are we, are we going to do this? Harry Styles is fine. Uh, I, I think you're right about him lacking menace, but... Um, there are kind of two jacks. I'll say that much. I don't think. Yeah, I, th- I was. I didn't know how to address that because I don't think he works as either version of. I, I I I think worst Jack is the right is is a right kind of menace. Don't disagree me. with that at all. For I me. just don't know that he works. Okay, I, I think yeah. he's okay in it because okay. I, I think I, I think his makeup and all that. I think that that that's fine. Okay. Uh, um, for me, uh, it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're you're that guy. Got you. I, I've met that guy, and so I'm yeah. like, oh, you're just you're one of those guys, and I I believed him enough. Uh, and again, I the movie already had my goodwill at that point too, which sure. may be something that you were lacking, um, because you know that makes a I'm, difference. I mean, it. Yeah. I, I I had no preconceived nothing, and I I did have the twist spoiled for me. I either oh. I oh really? I, I will when we get to spoilers. I'll let the audience know the two things I knew about where this movie was going. Okay, and they were two kind of key elements to that uh, definitely like tipped my hand. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's probably fair. Um, but with me, I again, uh, loved it. Um, I really had a good time with it. I mean, it's not, it's the best movie ever. No, I'm, I'm saying that it's a very, very solid nineties mid budget, middle of the road, middle of the road, just good genre film, uh, which is my, 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 I mean, that's my kitten caboodle. I love that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And yeah. this is that kind of thing in which I love. Mm-hmm. And so with it being that, yeah, I, I was down for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, again, this is not me sort of glamorizing this. It's not going to make a top 10 or anything like that for me, but, it's really fun. I, I mean, I'd watch it again. Yeah. If it was on regular rotation on an HBO kind of regular home broadcasting um, kind of uh, cable situation, yeah, I would You'd flip it on and kill some time. I flip, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I will say this: I would watch it again, and I think we'll get to that. I, I think that there is a. I think Arthur's absolutely right about the second life of this film. I think that there's the, the chance for like a real cult following to happen on this one. Like a, for a few who know who know the things that don't work about it are really kind of funny. Yeah. Like I, I when it doesn't work, I'm laughing at it in a way that I'm really enjoying. Like mm. it never stops being a good time. I just think it's kind of dumb. Yeah. So I think we're all on the same page. It's just kind of landing sort of differently for us. You guys might start a little bit warmer, but I think none of us hate it. No. For sure. Correct. Correct. Okay, well, let's move on to the next part of our show, which is a game we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. Um, Dalton, can you explain what Expanding the Syllabus is all about? I sure will, Dustin. This is where we deliver on the promise of the show, where we discuss the films you would not discuss in a film studies course, but we're going to do it 
in a film studies course type way or, you know, any sort of academic setting. Uh, that's right. We're going to try to create an academic syllabus uh, that involves Don't Worry Darling as sort of a cornerstone of the syllabus and brings in adjacent texts or films uh, and, and sort of do a, you know, a little compare and contrast with, with different media options. Um, this is maybe a film that you could see coming up in a film studies course, I, I believe, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's talking about sort of the way media coverage of film impacts, you know, how it's received. It feels very 30s in that way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And uh, I definitely, I think, we'll present some some other uses for it, maybe. Who's going right. first, Dustin? Um, I'll go with you, Dalton, actually. Right. I'll, I'll go ahead and not pick my spoilery. I've got a pretty spoilery uh, syllabus, and we'll, we'll save that for later. Yes. And oh. we'll talk about a postmortem oh. on the 1950s. Oh, I'm thinking about my syllabus all of a sudden. Okay, go on. Well, I, I look, if you got to spoil it to do your syllabus, you got to spoil it. Okay, I'll spoil I'll, I'll avoid it. I think that's a good time to get to it, is right as we're going into the spoiler territory, anyways, when we'll be doing your syllabus. So that's fine. Uh, but I, I think this would be interesting in a postmortem on the 50s, and maybe that's just a unit in a larger class. Maybe it's just a class about the 20th century uh, and sort of media about the 20th century and how, how we sort of repackaged it and uh, how we've recontextualized it and how we try to better understand it through modern lenses. So we'd look at things like uh, probably the first season of Mad Men. Obviously, it was a show mm-hmm. mostly set in the 60s, but that first season set in like 58, 59. The 60s were the 50s until like 65. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. And I think Mad Men does a really good job of illustrating that. Like people start looking like it's 1972 around 1968. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of how the the flow of the show works as, as far as its timeline. You're nodding at me because I know you're a fan of the show. As well. I am. I am. Yeah. I, but I think the the first season is pretty much all we need to use. We don't need to use the whole show. I, I think that gets the point across pretty well. Um, and I think we'd also definitely look at Pleasantville, uh, a film that I like a lot and is sort of a classic as far as uh, you know. We're talking about kind of '90s, you know, gentlemen's fives. Uh, I think that Pleasantville is definitely in that category, and I think mm-hmm. shares a lot of DNA with this film. Yes. With Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish. Don't Worry Darling was as funny as Pleasantville is maybe what I want uh, or or was scarier. And I, I think Pleasantville has kind of clear, per, clear purpose on its mind. Uh, but I think they're both interesting films and would be interesting in conjunction with each other. Uh, of course, Stand By Me, a, a classic treatise on the 50s and uh, another 80s treatise on the 50s, Back to the Future. I think both give us a, a, a you know, right at 30 year remove look on that decade and uh, are, are definitely presented one, you know, a child, uh, an adult looking back on their childhood and the other uh, somebody kind of coming to know their parents as teenagers. Uh, all of these being interesting lenses on the 50s, which is, you know, a decade that uh, America sure loves to romanticize. But uh, I think all of these films uh, and and the TV show present the problems that are were apparent in that decade and uh, i think that that would be a probably we would spend a lot of time talking about is you know how how are we coming to grips with what this decade represents in like sort of the american unconscious and what did it actually look like uh but again this would probably be a module in a larger class looking at different decades uh as opposed to just the 50s uh arthur what about you how would you teach don't worry darling yeah i i think this might be part of a um, and, and very, 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 I guess, gentle spoiler here, uh, probably a speculative sci-fi class, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. kind of setting up the genre of what this movie is and kind right. of where it is narratively. Um, so that's where we would go. And this may be, this could be part of a science fiction course. It could be part of just fiction in general, uh, modern fiction. 
um, something like that. But that's what we'd be talking about looking at. So I'd probably kick it off here uh, with Ray Bradbury and Fahrenheit 451. Um, these stories, I think, all kind of emphasize the human experience uh, set against the backdrop of changing technological trends rather than focusing so much on the technology. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, uh, 451 is apparently always relevant uh, since it's writing uh, yeah. somehow, some way, uh, which is concerning on a number of levels. Yeah, it really sucks that Ray uh, was so on the money with that one. Yeah, and continues to be. I'm always <laughs> amused when it becomes a banned book. Yeah. <laughs> the, the irony is right there. I'm always amused. Yeah, it is. Uh, things are funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a good book uh, and it's such a, you know, I think important story. Uh, and even I've read it. Yeah, and that, that's saying something, folks. Uh, Dalton really can't read. So <laughs> that's he, true. he struggled through that one. Yeah, uh, Becca read it to him. Yeah, it was a sleepy time reading. Um, uh, from there, we'd go with Richard Matheson. There's a ton you could look at, especially mm. with his work in The Twilight Zone. Um, stories adapted from Matheson's work as well. But I want to go with I Am Legend. I, I think that mm-hmm. that novella itself is just a very interesting take on uh, apocalyptic stuff, but also on vampires and last days and man's shifting role in society and place at the top of a food chain, especially in light of war discussions and conversations and things like that. Uh, and I think Matheson's one of the great uh, writers uh, and it's always interesting to read uh, his works or see stories uh, or shows from his works. And that takes us into the twilight zone. Uh, we'd probably actually start with the Twilight Zone uh, pilot, which is Where Is Everybody, which aired on October 2nd, 1959, uh, which follows a man who wakes up with amnesia uh, in an empty town. Mm. And he doesn't know who he is or where he is, and all he has is the Air uh, cra- uh, air, um, air Force mm. uh, uniform that he's wearing. Mm. Uh, and he's trying to figure out what is going on and, and the kind of the reveal there. It was the rapture, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> Whatever it was, it was a clean 30 minutes, and that's a big part of why it worked. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone had that nailed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, a really interesting place to point. I actually kind of think it fits very well with what's going on here um, because of how it ends. Uh, but from there, we would jump into the Black Mirror. This has kind of been the sure. most common comparison for Don't Worry, Darling, uh, in some of the reviews I've seen, um, as it being kind of the only modern Twilight Zone thing we have, other than Jordan Pills, the Twilight yeah. Zone. Well, and I've seen it called White Lady Get Out. Yeah, Jordan. I've also seen that as well. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. It's maybe more disconcerting that the only two points of reference for people are Black Mirror and Get Out, as far as this kind of science fiction goes but uh we actually look at san junipero i think oh yeah because sure. of its setup and structure uh leading to where it goes uh and then the entire history of you as well mm-hmm. uh, which is just much more kind of a heartbreaking uh look at memory and technology uh and emotion and relationships to the stronger episodes of that show yeah. i think uh and from kind of two different periods pre and post netflix yeah which is i think interesting in its development as well uh, and finally we would end with get out i think with jordan peele and, and that one more so than something out and out horror sci-fi like nope hmm. uh, you know get out is very much focused on the experience and the sci-fi elements don't really matter they're, they're just kind of backdrop to this this bigger story and yeah. the, the kind of ideas and themes that Peele's wanting to play at. So that's what we do. We kind of a speculative sci-fi course and and looking at these kind of stories and what these narratives say and how they're used to explore the human condition. Gotcha. uh, 
through changing technology without focusing on the technology, unlike something like Michael Crichton, mm. I think. Mm, very good. Okay, I'm going to try to say some things without saying some things, um, is what I'm going to do right now. So I would teach this film uh-huh. in um, a, a, a two-parter, you'll see more of this next week, in a course on critical theory. Okay. And, uh, spoiler look, alert. Looking at, uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> next week I will talk more critical theory. Uh, but in this case, um, I would use this film in my bridge between Lacan and Baudrillard. And so, Lacan, I would talk a lot about the symbolic and uh, the real and the ways in which we construct these kinds of fantasies and what kind of fantasies we construct and why we construct the kind of fantasies that we do construct. Mm -hmm. And so, thinking about the sort of symptomatic reading of why we imagine what we imagine when we misrecognize ourselves and misrecognize others, all of these are sort of major sort of parts of the imaginary, the symbolic and the real within Lacanian theory, which, if you know, you know, works very well with this film, right? Then I would move on to Baudrillard and Simulacra and Simulation, in which um, you might imitate things that are not the things, and um, talk about that process of imitation and what's going on with that. Um, Pumpkin Spice Latte might also be part of the conversation there, but um, I won't say... Much more than that, I would combine this with a film called Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I will not discuss in any way, and I <laughs> will then go on to use The Matrix for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I so you can also use films like The 13th Floor for no particular no reason. No particular reason at all. Or Dark City, not that you would... Not that I not would. Not that it would matter. Not yeah. that it would matter in any way. It has nothing to do with the plot in any way, shape, or form, but I might use those movies. Truman Show, even. Truman Show... I was going to say. Yes, yeah. would be another example. Maybe Free Guy. Yeah, sure. Um, Even a glitch in the Matrix. Uh, did you guys watch that one? <laughs> the document. It's the room two through thirty-seven guy of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. he oh. made a Matrix. I, I, funny. Yeah, you know, I heard of that movie. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's more successful than the the Shining one. Anyway. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, like Tangent that. corner. Um, so there you go, dear listener. Um, your syllabus just got much longer, and once you read it, um, you'll know why. Uh, with the- <laughs> and, and, and you'll have Don't Worry Darling spoiled for you, which I guess we'll do now. Yeah, which so watch the movie before you do my half of the syllabus. Uh, let's get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's All right, Dalton, yeah. what two pieces of information did you have going into this film? I knew that. It was a simulation, and I knew that Frank was a podcast host. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that Frank was a podcaster. Big year for podcasters in film. Yep. Yeah. 2022 been, is the year of us. It's been a couple of good, good couple of years for us on film. The story of us between you might say. Uh, yes, Hall- exactly. David Gordon Green's Halloween, uh, uh, Kong versus Vengeance. Godzilla. Oh yeah, Vengeance. I forgot about that one from this year. Was yeah. there another one this year? I feel like there's something else, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, there's got to be another one. There's something. I feel like I saw something else that had a podcast as. A part of its narrative. Oh, uh, Bros. Uh, I've seen Bill, Bros. Billy Eichner's character is that a checks out host. though. Yeah. Well, uh, the Scream uh, TV show on MTV. Oh yeah. One of the characters there has a podcast. Of course. Um, I think uh, in the upcoming Ant Man and Quantum Mania, Ant Man has a podcast. Oh my god! Oh, of course, Scott he does. Lang. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, good time to be a media a saturation yeah. has, has occurred. People, it's it's in the zeitgeist. You hey. can't stop it. Oh, bodies, bodies, bodies. That's, Bo- right. that's right. Oh, that's right. It's such a good joke. Yeah, I forgot about the stupid podcast. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I forgot. Which too. is a line from the movie. Did that, did that, did that joke land for you guys really well? Oh, yeah. Bodies, I bodies, so bodies, yeah. yeah. I loved it so much. 
Uh, uh, so anyway, those were the elements of Don't Worry Darling that I had spoiled going in. And if you you know Dustin's syllabus, then you, you two are like, oh, okay, this is a simulation movie. Yeah. That's yes. right. Jack is... I guess an incel uh, well, and doesn't like that his girlfriend is a very successful surgeon who's working long hours. So he plugs her into the Stepford Wives Matrix. So he's not an incel. Well, we don't know that they're they're well, not sleeping to together. Well, well, that, well, no, they, they're not really well, they're not, sexually active because she's busy. Well, I mean, currently, I mean, it's like yeah. there are always stages of that, though. That's just yeah. life. Well, that's why part but of they, this they, movie is dumb. Like, I know. Yeah, I don't. It's just you're just in a relationship, dipshit. Yeah. yeah. It seems to be. Here's here's probably what happens, right? Yeah they're in a relationship mm -hmm. they're probably having uh, a very good time early on she does get this doctor thing become super busy he feels left out right. isolated alone finally finds an online well, community he, we know he's having he's trouble a premature incel. he lost his job right? yeah, he's having trouble yeah. working and he's staying home yeah. a lot and he's getting red pilled by, by the by frank <laughs> by by the <laughs> men's rights activists and Who, well he's supposed to be uh, olivia wilde specifically cites jordan peterson as a frank uh, point of inspiration yes which of course makes sense uh, a lot of like who we're supposed to really be the the real you, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I see where you're what you're saying, Arthur. Like, there's, yeah, there's a a version of Jack as a character that like kind of makes sense dramatically. Mm -hmm. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, we don't know. We only see a, a weird portrait of where he's at. Right, we don't see that bigger part of that relationship. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's what I want more of. Maybe that's where I'm like, this could be an hour and forty minutes, and the whole last forty minutes could have been getting more texture on like how did this even go down right um because i, I feel like I, I want more there and i just more from the reveal you know jimmy chan kills frank inside the simulation that's the one part that and was the, really kind of not quite working yeah, and for it's me because she she says he, he screwed up i i, I don't I, know i, I mean because she seems to be so down to clown and mm -hmm. then she's not yeah and i don't know why yeah yeah it doesn't quite work but that's sort of sort of a sidebar of so, like reveals that don't work i can't remember now it's been a, a few days since i've seen it we know Bunny knows what's happening. Yes. yes. Does Jim and Chan's character know what's happening? It seems it like seems that she does. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she always defends Frank, and yes. then she kills him when well, yeah, the yeah, simulation yeah. falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems maybe a premature. Yeah, but presumably based on like her character choices, she knows. But again, some of her character choices don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. So hard well, to and say. perhaps she she's got her way out, and I can murder you. This mm -hmm. is going to go south. I'm going to have to go back to a life. I don't want to go back to a life with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you can sort of like um, a headcanon this, right? And and so because I because there are people here who are prisoners, don't know what's happening, yes. but right. there are others who are willingly here. Yes. But if you murder Much somebody like and you live in the house with the servers where you wake up conceivably you could erase everything and no one would know that you did the killing of he just who died you know so the, the there was a terrible terrible accident of course the, you were talking about the logistics of getting away with murder and within the sim <laughs> well, well yeah I, I don't know this is my i'm i watch a lot of detective fiction I mean, you're just wondering you're just wondering what the next hour of her life looks like yeah, when yeah. she gets out yeah i guess gotcha. so I, I i mean i sort of like constructively headcanon that but i mean i don't have any information from the film at all and so that's not I mean, satisfying nobody's gonna be arresting freddie krueger for uh, killing people it, it, in his exactly, dreams. Exactly, yeah. Right? And, and I mean, that's, that's all the, the purposes is natural causes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this is, I, I, I'm out. I, I, I got it done. Yeah. But um, yes, that's troubling. So, I, I, but that's really it for plot holes, though. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just dumb. I, I don't. <laughs> it, yeah. Just, as far as the rest of the plot goes, yes, everything pretty much fits together without too much 
friction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm also kind of curious about like thematic choices, right? Like, so Olivia Wilde going into the the press tour is talking about you know the Matrix and Inception like being big inspiration. So Absolutely. she she was re- representing this mm-hmm. as you know this is mm-hmm. this is my mind bender realities within realities movie. And her developmental role is she is the screen. She works on the story. Well, no, her she's got her writing partner who worked on Booksmart with her. Okay, right, um, right. And that's so there, it's a blacklist that's script. Katie Silverman. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a blacklist script from two brothers. Katie Silverman comes on with Olivia Wilde when Olivia Wilde says, I want to make this blacklist script. Her writing partner from Booksmart comes on, rewrites the screenplay. Okay. So that's why she's got sole screenplay credit. And right. she shares story credit with the two brothers who wrote the original screenplay. I understand. And so, so, so Wilde only works as a producer then. And, well, director. and director. And she's di- Oh, she's directing. I don't yeah. think I realized that. Okay. Yeah. Pay attention to the credits, old man. Well, um, uh, it's that... part of the movie. And what we said earlier. There was Respect a... the people who worked on the thing you watched. There's a lot of movies. <laughs> Watch the credits. <laughs> Watch all 10 minutes of I the did credits. not realize she was directing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is, I think Bunny's a fun role for if you're an actor director in this. Like, mm-hmm. there's a universe where she almost played Alice. Yeah. I think Bunny's maybe the more fun role for a director. Mm-hmm. And she writes Bunny out uh, of the, the dinner, the big dinner table, dinner party confrontation with Frank. Uh, she wanted to be behind camera directing on that one. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's mm-hmm. one of the most dramatically intense moments of the movie. And I guess for me, one of the key failures here is that that tension doesn't come across. There's, there's no like real fear. Like we get in something like get out, uh, you know, like that the, the fear and the tension is palpable and being ratcheted. And I don't know that like we spend some time in like Alice's POV and like there's moments of the Busby Berkeley dancers and the iris shrinking and these inserts of like sort of spooky visuals to kind of help put us in Alice's POV. I love those insert visuals. I, some of them work. I, I guess they, they worked less for me than I wanted them to. They they were working better early on than than in the kind of drawn out second act. Um, I think the dancer thing is cool, especially when some of those people start showing back up. That is kind of fun. Like, when Dita Von T shows up as, as the the burlesque dancer at the big party, yeah, and yeah. she's remembering and then her as one of the doc, like yeah, one right, of the one of the nurses yeah, at the uh, institute nurses. or facility, yeah, that Alice goes to, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That that aspect of it, like those things fun. are just cool. I think in movies in general, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the thing that I think is interesting though is the other thing that Olivia Wilde talked about that's like being a big cornerstone of this movie was centering female pleasure. Yep. No men right. coming in this movie. This is a movie about women getting the nut and mm-hmm. good for them. But why does that only happen within the Stepford Wives 50s matrix? Like that right. sort of like thematically like a cake and eat it, is, Yeah, like, it doesn't fit yeah, yeah. together, right? This is supposed to be a bad place. Right. But they're having the best sex that they've ever had in the bad place. I don't it's not clicking for me. Like it. Well, I mean, I, again, is I, I he's the perfect lover the, the, in this yeah, place, the, right? The, the, the construction yeah. is that you know, I I think that's exactly it. I am the perfect provider, mm-hmm. and um, this is why they would want that. This is this is this is why I'm giving you a life you would want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of sex, but it's you know, it's it's you know, she always comes first kind of sex, right? Well, so, and again, yeah. I think that that's good for a Hollywood movie to do because Hollywood movies don't do that. Right. I think it's very cool. Uh, I just don't know that it like fits within the text of the movie very they, well. They'd be more like toys, you would think. Thematically. You know? Thematically. Thematically, Thematically yeah. they'd be yeah. more like toys, yeah. And so the, it's like this one sort of weird bit of wokeness that It makes Jack make more interesting as a character, maybe, but I don't know how well it like works overall. Because yeah. again, like Jack's whole thing is he doesn't like that she's working 30-hour shifts. I, I guess that's really all we get of And like, we don't know anything not, about their, their sex life, their inner... Yeah, yeah what's going on in that yeah. relationship at all? Yeah. Other than he's, yeah, like you said, gotten red-pilled, which... I mean, that's bad. <laughs> like, don't get right. me wrong. You're spending too much time at home. Like, 
yeah, there's all kinds of rabbit holes you could go down. Uh, yeah. So he could have made stop motion animation. Exactly, he could have yeah. become uh, what's his name, uh, the Mad God guy, <laughs> Phil Tippett. Yeah, just go Phil Tippett mode. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, mean, I, I just, guess in a way that reveal just yeah in a, in a way. Uh, I, I don't know. I wish I want that reveal to work more, and I want that centering of female pleasure to like thematically fit into the 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 fifties the Stepford Matrix a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's I not mean, like they're always willing and always you know like receptive. It's th- that they are. It's that he's yeah. It's that he's a, the perfect provider and perfect lover. Which again, right. I, I think you're right. Maybe that's kind of an interesting character note for Jack, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I just I wonder about like, like there, like you said, it's not about and even getting in the ideas of like consent. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean that's a weird that's, place for it too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, which the, I'm glad it's the reveal that the the kids are all uh, a simulation. Yeah, the, the movie real. does not want to deal with that question at no, all. No, no. Yeah, which no. I think is probably for the best. Yeah, uh, um, unfortunately, Bunny's jumping the multiverse of madness right now, trying to get her kids back. <laughs> is what's happening? <laughs> Golly, I'm just yeah. looking for them. I don't know. There's there's things in this movie that work, right? Like there there's they're pretty classic examples of gaslighting from Jack going on. So mm-hmm. like it's not like he's great. I mean, Mm-mm. there are moments in the movie where he is shown to suck. I just I want it's, as, it's a kidnapping story. It's, it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, a, a captivity narrative in that sense, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But again, I th- I think you're. Right. I mean, he's such a non-threat. Mm-hmm. He's almost forgettable. Like mm-hmm. in right. the first act, act and a half of this. And so much emphasis is put on Frank as well, the bad guy. Well, you wonder if he knows or not, I think, is part of what you're... Who? Uh, Jack. If he knows what? If he knows that... If he's not duped as well. Oh, early in the movie. Early in the movie. You like, don't know what's uh, going on. I, I, you gotcha. yeah, yeah. When you, if you don't know, you're thinking maybe he's as much... And I think that's where a rewatch would come in handy, because I, I'm curious to know how much is... Because I think that would really affect the screenplay as well, because I think there have to be hints that he knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I think there are. But we just have to find, you know... The, he hums that song later, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a big clue. So I wonder if he hums that song, or you know, like mm-hmm. are those things kind of laced through here? Well, Frank's uh, radio talk, like all uh, knowing that there was a simulation on the going on in the town. Yeah, yeah, his his sort of radio show that yeah. he does in Victoryville, like yeah, that stuff. Like all no, me knowing that there was a simulation going on, that stuff. Like, was like, oh okay, all right, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Like so, it is definitely trying to weave that reveal into the narrative a little bit. So I don't, I don't think it's totally blindsiding the audience. I don't, I don't think it's a total cheat. And Bunny's but it's pretty really goofy. Yeah. Bunny really pushes. No, we're all happy here. Yes. Yo, yes. Uh, their friend. Uh, uh, Margaret, played by Kiki Lane, has gone mm-hmm. crazy. You know, there's like so apparently oh, had a ton of stuff cut. Yeah, that's the kind of another rumor uh, yeah. in the <laughs> in that press tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh well, Dustin, this will be another fun. We'll, we'll resolve the press tour uh, crisis for you with a happy note. Uh, the guy that plays Kiki Lane's husband in this movie, uh, they're in a relationship now. Oh, the, the, she's that's the, she's she's made a, had an Instagram post about how she oh, yeah. so happy to have met her boyfriend on the on Don't Worry Darling. Ariel Statchel, thank you. Yeah. Ted Watkins. So okay. all of her all of their stuff oh, pretty Ted. much got cut from the movie, but they found each other. Isn't that okay? Nice? Well, that's good. Happy ending. There. But there's this heavy emphasis, you know, people like Nick Kroll and Bunny who are like, no, this is the great, you know, perfect place. Like mm-hmm. this is the ideal. Yeah, right. well, and Nick Kroll, who's like enforcing the status quo, yeah. they're like, "Don't you don't talk to Frank? Are you crazy? You're looking to be in Frank's good. house." Yeah, I read yeah. the douche. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Kroll is really good in here. I, uh, he's a fun. He's fun to see him pop up here. I th- um, again, I think him and Berlant like have the energy down. They're like both funny and also like. They they, but, they illustrate that there's something wrong about the place that they're in. Like there's something wrong about just everything. And you talk about the anachrony of Florence Pugh mm. and, and the hairstyles. Yeah, yeah. But there's something where Berlant and Kroll 
exist in this time frame. Mm-hmm. Like they are very much characters in this type of movie. Right, in like the drink 1950s. some more beer to help the baby. Yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And right? even Olivia Wilde. I mean, Bunny. Yeah. You know, Olivia Wilde kind of has a classic look. I think a and, real fifties. Yeah, yeah, kind I of. I think just generally like. Her, yeah, her, like Barbara Stanwyck, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, going on with her, yeah. So I think you know that is interesting, and then you have Florence Pugh who has a much more, I think, kind of modern actress look to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is very interesting how how they cast this with yeah. sort of like faces that sort of feel period accurate, or at yeah. least our conception of the period based on what the actors seen. that were cast back in that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think that that sort of period stuff like is all done really well. The costumes are all incredible in right yeah yeah, yeah. Love, love we talked some... about the cars already but ooh, that stingray that grace oh, that, that silver stingray it's a slick car ah that's a fun that's a fun it's a bloodless car chase but uh, you know driving across I, the I, desert I'm looks fun. cool but i'll tell you what any any classic 50s car in aquamarina blue mm-hmm. is just yeah. my favorite thing yeah. i just yeah. man my my eyes love that i i said bloodless car chase but i forgot tim simons gets absolutely pancakes yeah he does he gets killed pretty bad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from the guy from veep yeah he's uh, great in this i think he, he works is really he the well doctor? Too. yeah yeah okay. i think so he works. i want to talk about the going away to work conceit of the film a little bit now uh, obviously uh in movie once you have all revealed you know that when they all go off to work that means they all unjack into the real world and earn their money yeah. to sort of go back into the simulation mm-hmm. and that's why to pay hus- their hosting fees or whatever right for being yeah, in yeah. Their, their 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 monthly subscription to you know warcraft or yeah. whatever you frank's know. frank's place <laughs> whatever this is to Vic- well i guess victory, victory project right yeah, but there are these sort of tremors that go on throughout and this victory project thing uh it makes it seem as though they're working on project paperclip that they're working mm-hmm. on the yeah. atom bomb that this is kind of an oppenheimer story yeah. that's going on there and and that the wives are at home providing a home, cleaning a home, and doing that sort of stuff in order to be support for these husbands who are uh, making the world a better place, defending the country. Again, there's real sort of American nationalism at the heart of this uh, from tyranny. Uh, again, sort of developing the A-bomb uh, kind of stuff, nuclear tests, and sort of post uh, the 40s and, and World War II kind of moment, obviously. But I, I was thinking a lot about this being the fantasy that these men have. Right. Uh, And in terms of this world that uh, what we need are women who do this in their place because it will it will provide us the opportunity to make the world a better place much more. And it is sort of a very kind of Reaganomics kind of, uh, you know, make America. um, Well, great again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was Reagan's theme. And I realized just as I was saying it. Oh, yeah, there is that other guy that did that as well. Then it's Mm -hmm. kind of the theme right now. But. I'm thinking about Reagan's Make America Great Again, not Trump's. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when his sort of back to the 50s kind of uh, nostalgia that he played on. Again, Trump's, Trump's version of that is confused um uh, is what i will say about that uh, that's, yeah it's well it's it's both more overtly fascist and also less ideologically coherent exactly so i'm not even addressing him yeah. right now i'm talking about reagan's idea of it uh and uh that that does seem to be this very sort of reagan-esque kind of approach to um gender roles Sure. And 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 generals in the defense of ideology that I clean my home and wash the windows because uh, this is how I grow my victory gardens. This is how we do you know the way in which victory becomes the brand of um, this kind of stuff. And again, the growing your own food was a victory garden in the forties during World War II, and the way in which uh, it, it's this branded version of supporting the nation. That I support the husband as a sort of a Roman paterfamilias kind of thing. By supporting the husband, he supports the state, and we support the entire nation. And that's what keeps us and our own safety at, ro- at work here. And that's, I think, the fantasy that Jack has, is that he wants to be this hero 
and he wants to always come home like Odysseus, the conquering hero. Like that's the sort well, of he, he formal is, kind of imagination of it, right? When he justifies putting her in the Matrix, he's like, "This place is great. Don't you know how lucky you are? You get to stay here all the time. I gotta go out into the real world, and it sucks. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> terrible. Job oh, I hate it. And I get to you know flip hamburgers or whatever he it does. Doesn't say what he does, but yeah. yeah, you're right. So I think in his view, he is doing something noble, and right. right, and that that is how he looks at it, and that that is sort of the fantasy. I guess I just. I don't believe that anybody that has that fantasy gets with the surgeon mm-hmm. in this in 2022. When we, when we reveal that they're in 2022, it doesn't really make a whole hell of a lot. Oh, sense there's no accounting for love. I sure I guess if that's if you want to if you want to let the movie have a pass. I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I I'm not giving partial credit where the movie is is making leaps of logic and being a little first drafty. That's fair. Uh, but I, I again I think. Your read on Jack as a character is interesting, and I wish Harry Styles had that much nuance in his performance. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I think the movie you're pitching me sounds really cool. I don't know that Don't Worry Darling actually delivers on that. That's probably fair. But I, 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 analytically, I think that's, pretty, that's a pretty cool read of the movie, uh, as far as just like Jack as a character who is this type of... It's not quite fully gender essentialism, but it's not not that either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's definitely adjacent to it. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, that sort of fifties ideal is definitely sort of calls on that 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 idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is this is the argument for patriarchy mm-hmm. and why it's you know, and obviously the movie uh, rightly problem problematizes that. Well, and every you know again, Tim Simons with the keep calm and carry on, like literally mm. giving the worst advice he could possibly be giving in that moment. Right. Yeah. So it's the movie lampshades it in a way that I think is pretty cool. And I, and I love how he chooses to be British, right? Which is very, very fun. The reveal that he chose to be British is pretty funny. I don't, <laughs> I don't, really, I don't know if that's just because Harry Styles can do a whole movie with no accent, but I thought it was really funny. That is very fun. Uh, do we have any other sort of major thematic bits that we want to trace through in this film? I was just thinking about this that came, you know, came up. This was something in one of my classes this semester, one of the projects that we had to work on was doing research on the metaverse. Mm. And as that word has picked up steam, you know, becoming almost the word of the year, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, goblin mode winning out. Um, <laughs> Wait, goblin mode was, was the, the word Oxford of the year? word of the year. Let's go. Uh, metaverse was right behind it though. Yeah, the goblin <laughs> mode won, baby. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's interesting. Uh, in 99, we were so concerned about being in the Matrix sure. that 20 years later, we have ran to the Matrix and, and this continued development of a metaverse where mm-hmm. businesses operate. I mean, churches exist and civilizations operate in this digital, digital world space, yeah. and very much the ways, you know, hopefully nobody's been locked up and doped up and sent into some sort of metaverse, you know, at the behest of their partner. <laughs> but I, I think this posits a world that could conceivably exist in, in some manners, right? This escapism into the, the Ready metaverse. Player One uh, of it, right? Yeah, the, right, the, right, the idea yeah. that we it becomes so mass consumed, like the price point gets so low that everybody can get in and like there's no like user threshold, like the the barrier for use is low enough that people who wouldn't normally get into video games yeah. or these sort of virtual spaces would end up gravitating towards it as well. I, yeah, I think that there's a compelling argument for you know the the digital space making it much harder for us to like actually realistically engage with the real world. So I think mm-hmm. you're you're right. I mean, even yeah. without the metaverse, I think that happens. Yeah. It's just interesting to think as the metaverse grows, how mm-hmm. these kind of narratives I think take on new light, and things like the Matrix I think take yeah. on new new interesting 
meaning as well. Mm-hmm. As as kind of you know, we've talked often about nineteen nineties existential American cinema mm-hmm. and kind of where we are now. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting place to to just view these sorts of simulation movies. Absolutely. I want to go lastly to one thing that you brought up earlier, um, Dalton, and I want a content warning now because we are going to talk a little bit about consent. Uh, because um, we 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 clearly see that whatever's gone on with Florence Pugh's character, that it does seem. To, I mean, it's it's weird and it's 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 definitely over the line, but it's not. I mean, she's clockwork orange in her bedroom. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's, he's drugged her and sedated her. But I was thinking about the interview where he's answering the questions to uh, enter into the Project Victory, and yes. one of the questions is whether or not there's an existing relationship with your chosen wife. Oh yeah. So and, the idea and, that some of these guys are like black bagging women off the street. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I just want to address that. That that, sure. that that is sort of part of what's going on here in this fantasy world is that I would assume that some of these women are not here, did not know these men. Sure. That yeah. are now I mean, their husbands. That's kind of maybe the concern with like a Kate Berlant because Nick Kroll is very... Well, Nick Kroll is with Bunny. That's uh, right. Yeah. Kate Berlant's guy. I don't know oh. if we ever get his name. <laughs> I know that actor though. Dweeb, he's he's though, really right? funny. Yeah. yeah, he's been in a bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that takes his tie off as soon as Frank... Asifali. Okay, yeah. He, I love that he takes his tie off as soon as he just sees Frank show yeah. up with no tie. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I want to. I want to read something from. This is kind of in line with what you're saying, Dustin. This is from Frank's speech at uh, the party where they promote Jack. Um, this is this is from Frank. It's more than just a celebration of our freedom from society's arbitrary regulations. It's a celebration of potential unleashed. It's a reminder of who we are. Right. And this is sort of his... by submitting ourselves to another set of arbitrary regulations. There, well, there's, I mean, by by setting, just submitting yourself to my regulations. <laughs> right. Which well, I mean, involves... there's almost this caveman mentality of ownership, right? Like mm. woman, mine. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that, that's from the head dragger by the head yeah. of my cave I mean, kind there's of thing. something yeah, yeah. to that i mean that i mean essentially that's what jack does in this movie yeah i mean jack definitely i mean again there's but you're some, right there are there's potential that, that there's, a, there's an even worse sort of drama playing out in the world of uh, sure. project victory in which the woman is not at all familiar with this person and there may be life, some concern you know, with which is still terrible who is is it violet that shows up kind of late in after yes. margaret's gone and like at the end, she's like, "What's going? What on? is yeah, going?" Like, and it's, I think it's him that's like, "They told me this couldn't happen." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, there's another concern. Like, what is their relationship? Right. Yeah. And, and to be very, very clear, we are not saying that just because you're in a relationship with someone that consent is always assumed. That that's that's yeah, not. We're not saying not. that. And that's clearly a violation of consent at this point Correct. with with Jack and with Alice. But there are even stronger violations I mean, there's like, implicated in the sort of edges we're talking of this about universe. like mm-hmm. overboard type mm-hmm. uh, i could sit where somebody has lost their memory and you're like no we're dating remember Rem- yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> arturo overboard <laughs> all righty well, brought to you by the 80s <laughs> well, they, hey, they remade that one they just didn't flip it yeah did they oh, no. yeah did well, they make it any better i don't know i didn't see it are we going to render a verdict? Let's on render this? a verdict, shall we? Um, what do we say? Shelf or trash for Don't Worry, Darling Arthur. This is a movie I could see myself recommending to people, but is ultimately trash. Very, very middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Trash. Absolutely. Okay. What do you say, Dalton? I think this is actually shelfable. Uh, I, I think that this is going <laughs> to have. I think today the role of Dustin is played by Dalton. <laughs> I know. I think this is going to have cultural legs on it. Hear me out. I, I really think that this is going to find its cult audience. I, I this movie is goofy in a way that I think works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun. I never stop having fun as dumb as I think this movie is, and I think that that's kind of it's. It never gets boring, even though it's a little long, and it looks great. Can you imagine having this on at a party? Come on, nothing like that bad happens, but also it all looks cool. 
Uh, and so even when it's scary, it's got like a really great visual palette. Yeah, I, I, th- I think this is going to have legs. Uh, I think I'm this just thinking is... about that dinner table scene at a party, but go on. Yeah, I <laughs> was thinking about the Bugsby Berkeley stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Which and dinner the, table scene? The cars. The, the one where Jack can... has a meal. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. He's like a, a king. Ha- I thought you meant the one where she can... I... <laughs> right off the bone. Uh, I thought you meant the one where she can uh, confronts Frank. Uh, I was like, yeah, what's wrong with that? We didn't even talk about Frank showing up. In his bedroom to see them in in the act. In the act. Well, yeah, that's a much uh, more did, interesting movie. We yeah. did not talk about that at all. Yeah, well, yeah. he gets to. I mean, that's the thing. well, and he calls her out later at the dinner table. Ooh, yeah, real creep about it. I love it. Yeah, that scene. That scene at the dinner table is the moment of the movie for me. And again, I think there are enough moments in this movie that really work. Not that one. <laughs> I just at the can't dinner imagine table. that at a party. <laughs> We're going to different parties. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I Yeah, this th- church, the, the, the church staff Christmas party was <laughs> never the same. Just, just playing there, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like a lot about this movie, and uh, I think there's value in it, even if I don't know that it totally works. Dustin, what about you? So, um, I don't have many of those 90s mid-level movies on my shelf, but I know where to find them. And I think this is kind of like that. This is a movie that I would recommend. This is a movie that I could conceivably use. This is a movie that might conceivably finally make its way on the shelf if Dalton's prediction played out. But Mm -hmm. at this point right now, uh, December 2022, I would say, no, go ahead and trash it for now. Let it stream. But um, definitely check it out if you get the chance. So, I'm I'm playing middle of the road, I think, uh, for that one. So, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on Don't Worry Darling. We're wrong, and we know we are, but we don't know how, and we need your help. Help us find out where we're wrong. Tell us how we're wrong. You can do it uh, by sending your long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. That's the name of the show you're listening to at gmail.com. You can also find uh, some cool uh, if you want to see other ways that we're wrong you can arthur has very quietly very stealthily posted a couple of written pieces of uh i noticed and that review. as well if you want to go over to sneaky yeah, sneaky boy he was he was stealthy about it but if you go over to goodtrashmedia.com you can see arthur's writing uh and uh yeah an old fun. writing from me i think on there still somewhere hell i think i've even got two articles on there from way 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 back in the day uh, i just we haven't plugged that in a while so i figure and you know what else is on there uh, caleb masters has been covering that game of thrones spinoff mm-hmm. this whole that whole season he covered the whole there. thing for us yeah it's all there yeah he's still doing that for us uh so yeah they go check out goodtrashmedia.com i haven't plugged that in a while but there's new stuff on the website so why not go look mm-hmm. uh another place you can tell us how we're wrong about movies and you know society and all other manner of things is twitter we're over there at Good Trash Media on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us to uh, find links to this show, other shows that we're into, uh, things like that. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to give us money, if you think we're so wrong that you want to throw money at us, I can't imagine <laughs> how that works out. But if it does work out that way, you can go to Patreon. That's how taxes work, isn't it? I think so. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and uh, help us keep the lights on. And uh, you can uh, find out what's in it for you over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GTM. Well, that is the end of our Blind Spots series. That's been a blast of catching up with some 2022 films that we should have seen that we didn't see that we're going to inflict upon our fellow co-hosts. But I believe we have the last show of the year coming up, which is always an extravaganza. Arthur, why don't you tell us about what we pick and why we pick it? Well, in keeping up with this, uh, what we kind of catch up do here at the end of the year, we also like to take a look at the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, we haven't done this since 2019. Yeah, is that right? it's been a couple of years. Pandemic really killed movie watching in the box office. Um, but we're back. Movies are back. Yeah, Mr. Movies. They're back. Next week. 
We take to the skies with the highest grossing film of 2022, domestic or otherwise, as we take a look at Top Gun Maverick. It's going to be a blast, guys. Cannot wait. Play Smoke in the sky. Da, na, 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 na. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time.